welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I'm your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt, you have teased me with the topic this week. Like, you you haven't actually told... Me. This is the first time we've done this, where you have said, hey, I'm going to tell you what the topic is once we start recording. That's right. I'm going to spring this one on you, and I had one requirement, one job for you to do this week. What was it? That was to watch uh, both of the short treks. So I'm feeling my keen senses and my excellent detective work is making me think that it is short treks related. That is good detective work. Yes, it's also kind of a dead giveaway, but we are going to focus on that. (laughs) But before we get to that, I want to read a letter that we got because we get a lot of emails in our box throughout the week. Uh, Now that Punch It is back, we have been uh, getting messages more and more. And I really like the message that we got from a listener named Carl in the UK. Uh, First, he commiserated about new house woes and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, he did that. But particular to punch it, I want to read what he said about kind of the temporal cold war and how we brought that up and then he kind of expanded upon it. He says... I like the idea you guys landed on with the connection between Discovery and Enterprise. I think it would be cool to follow a series set during the temporal Cold War where they are fighting across time, changing their own history, and we get to see the ripple effect upon the future, just like Voyager Year of Hell in broad strokes with tastes of yesterday's Enterprise in regards to seeing the time periods we know and love twisted. We could witness the Federation and fellow galactic powers shift between different states of strength and existence, showing the butterfly effects of a true temporal hot war. Discovery could become a Star Trek What If series. Yo, I'm down for that. That would be interesting because it's it's kind of a little bit like the what we thought we were going to get with Discovery. Like the rumor, I should say, because the rumor was going to be that it was going to, Star Trek was going to become an anthology series where uh-huh. one season we would get it in this time period, and then the next season it would be another time period. And I think I was pretty jazzed about that, but that sounds super expensive with a sci-fi show because you'd have to rebuild all these sets, redo all these costumes, yeah. and it just wouldn't. It would be cost prohibitive, and I kind of feel like that might be the case. With this idea, even though this is a fantastic idea, like this is this is kind of like Doctor Who meets Star Trek, and <laughs> a little bit, yeah, and really only for a season, though. You know, like I, okay. um, Carl also kind of wrapped up this idea where I wouldn't want this to be the whole rest of the show, but for a oh, season, right, right. it would be super cool, and I totally agree with him for a season arc, which Discovery has been doing. They've been doing season long arcs. If this is where they're going to go with the third season, I'm down for it. I love this idea. Or it could be a fourth season thing where they're just like, okay, we came to 930 years in the future. We did that. So now let's do a little bit like sliders where we try to get home, but we can't quite make it. And so mm. we're jumping through time trying to get back to our own. And that's, uh, an idea. And that's season four, that kind of thing. I could see that happening too. 
And maybe that ties into Calypso somehow, because we haven't totally made that connection as to why we have that short trek just yet, in my opinion. So there's a lot of possibility, and I uh, I really love that idea. And it, you know what? If that's what's actually going to happen in some respect, heck yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it. Yeah, maybe we can do that on Punch It sometime, where we're just like, what if Discovery did this? What would it look like? Ooh, yeah. Well, you know what? We ought to see maybe where the show is going first with the new yes. season when we get it. So this is down the line, Punch It!, but if it turns out that we're completely wrong and this is not at all what they're going to do, heck yeah, that's room for us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And if you guys want to write us a letter as well, what you can do is you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it, and then fill out the form and it'll send us an email. And you can uh, tell a story, you can give us some ideas. And uh, if we like the story or like the idea, we might mention it on the air. Indeed. Yes, we've definitely taken listener suggestions in the past. We're always taking those. We have a whole idea bank of <laughs> listener suggestions that we haven't even touched yet. And it's not that we don't like them. It's just we've got that many. But that said, let's talk about what we're going to do today. Yes, I'm tingling with anticipation. So please tell me what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Well, the reason why I wanted you to watch the short treks, one, because you hadn't watched them, but two, because there's one short trek in particular that I think is a prime candidate for punching up. Can you guess which one it is? Uh, well, the, the Q&A seems to be universally loved or at least well-received. I'd say better received. Better received. I, I guess I shouldn't say universally loved. I should say it's better received, especially in comparison to the trouble with Edward. So the triple one. So I'm yes. guessing we're punching up the triple one then, if that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on first viewing, both are fantastic. I enjoyed them for what they are. They're just, they're kind of cute little short stories. They don't need to be too detailed. They don't need to be epic. I love the format. I love these 15 minute little stories, just little tidbits of things. And on first watching, I enjoyed them for what they were. But if you think a little critically about the trouble with Edward, I've got some serious problems. I didn't have a distaste for it like everybody else did because when it first dropped, like so many people were saying like, oh, this is garbage. Like, why are they doing this? This is overly silly. Like even mm -hmm. people who really like Discovery and like the CBS direction of Star Trek, the new CBS direction, th those people, even those people were saying like, this is weird. I don't know about this one. I didn't <laughs> mind it too terribly much. I think there was a lot of things that didn't land and there was a lot of things that felt kind of off to me. But overall, uh -huh. when I was just like, I'm just watching a short trek. It's meant to be a one-off. Let's just, let's see where it goes. That kind of thing. I, I, I kind of turned off my brain. And <laughs> Yeah, which I feel like you have to do. And if people, like, I can see why people have a problem with doing that in the first place. Which is why in the past, people say, oh, Threshold is crap. Uh, masks is crap. Sub Rosa is crap because you have to turn off your brain just to enjoy the story. I get it. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely kind of one of those throwaway kind of stories where you really can't think too deep about it. Uh, that's not the intent of this. And you know what? I love the fact, one of the things that I do love is that they did it, that they tried it just to throw it out there and see what would stick. You know, right. if there's anywhere in Star Trek where they can try some new things and see how the audience reacts, I feel like Short Treks is the avenue of which to do that. And it's uh, they're definitely doing some fan service with um, showing the Enterprise twice 
and showing Pike oh, yeah. twice because everybody loved Pike and a lot of people liked the, the new Enterprise. And they're just like, listen, okay, like we built this set. Let's try to use it as much <laughs> as we can. Yes. Uh, because we're, we're not going to see it in season three. I severely doubt we're going to see it in season three of Discovery. It's doubtful, huh? And so we're either going to like u- use it in short treks or we're going to have a Pike show. But it was funny because, okay, so if you haven't seen the short treks yet, this episode is not for you. Save it for later until you do see it because we are definitely going to be spoiling things hard yes. starting now. So at the beginning of the trouble with Edward, we see the young captain with Pike and like he says, he's like, oh yeah, she's been, she's on my ship and she's been promoted to captain of a science vessel and I'm sending her off. There is no reason for that scene. There is no reason for Pike. <laughs> there is no reason for the Enterprise. No. There's zero reason except just fan service and we have the set, so let's use it. Bingo. That's all it was is we get to see Captain Pike one more time sending off this science officer whom we do not know. We don't really care about her yet. But Never you know met what? Her before. Don't care. It's Pike. Exactly. And that's the thing is that like they knew what they were doing. Like yeah. you know that the person who wrote Trouble with Edward wrote it and then the the producers was just like, "Okay, so how can we get Pike in here?" And they're just like, "Well, we don't need Pike." Yes, we do. How do we put <laughs> Pike in here? We're just making that a requirement. Find a way to make it happen. And that's like, I feel like the least of the things that I could critique in this short track. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't mind it. I don't care. It's just funny because from a story standpoint, there is zero reason for him to Sure. I mean, honestly, like let's say Anson Mount is gone and they want to save money. This is absolutely not necessary. We could have Captain Lucero on her ship for the first time. We could just introduce her and it would be fine. Oh, yeah. She would start. It's like Captain's Log. I just I've been on the ship for two weeks and blah blah or something like that. Like this right. is my first captaincy and okay. Speaking of which, she is young to be a captain. Way young. She really is. Now, granted, this is not the Enterprise. This is a science vessel. And right. I mean, if you're gonna have someone like Edward serving aboard the ship, this is not the best and the brightest. I gather. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that like that's how I tried to rationalize it to myself where I was like, she's only a year older than me. Like outside of Captain Kirk, there is no way she would be this young and be a captain. And even the Captain Kirk stuff bothers me. But (laughs) uh, because it's a science vessel, it's a small science vessel. Yeah, I think there's definitely more leeway there. Like you don't need you don't need someone like Captain Pike in order to be the head of a research vessel. No. Like I'm not I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying it's part, it's not a part of Starfleet's mission. It, it very much is. I'm just saying like you don't need it's a diff, it's apples and oranges. Right. Well, we have to I guess presume that yes, she's young, but she must be a brilliant scientist if she's the science officer aboard the Enterprise, which would also explain why they brought Spock on just after. As an ensign, yeah. Yeah. So she has to have some good scientific credentials. And then they're testing her out as a captain. And the poor lady, though. I mean, this all blows up in her face really fast. I mean, maybe this is a cautionary tale. Like, hey, maybe in other circumstances she would have been fine. But anything and everything does happen on a Starfleet vessel. We need people to be a little better trained. Yeah, and that's that's something that did bother me. uh, Because we didn't have any resolution to it. Like, I wanted to know that she would be okay. Yeah, and we didn't really get that. Uh Uh-uh. Because there was a court-martial, 
And it makes me wonder, okay, like, is there a court-martial because they lost the ship? Well, a few things happen that have warranted a court-martial, yeah. I'm, I, I know, absolutely, you're, you're 100% right. Like, like the evacuation of a planet, the, uh, yeah. the infestation within the Klingon Empire, that's insanity and the loss of a ship. So it makes me wonder, like, did the ship explode? Did it, is it unusable now? Or did, could they go back to it? Because with yeah. all that stacked up against her within her first two weeks of being on the ship, kind of makes it sound like she's not going to be a captain again. Because even if it was the action of one person under her command, she's still responsible as captain. That's right. For what happens under her command. Yeah. And if I were her, I would not want to be a captain ever again. Just screw that track. Let's do something else entirely. This was a disaster. And it wasn't her fault, though, is the thing. Mm-hmm. It just happened under her watch. But could she have done something in the interim after this happened in order to save the ship and save the infestation and save dip- diplomacy with the Klingons? And <laughs> I, Boy, I don't know if she was up for that. I don't know. So let's go ahead. So, so we've talked about things we liked, things we didn't like. So what would you? what's the first thing that you would change to punch it up? Well, okay, before we talk about punching it up i do want to bring up h john benjamin who plays edward here this is obviously written for him with him in mind to play this character and that is unfortunately like kind of where i have the problem because i understand where they were going with kind of the kooky scientist but they went too far what he was the best thing about the short trek okay there's a couple things that just do not ring true for me one the fact that he calls his captain an idiot is very unbecoming of a, a Starfleet officer. Yes, and that's why she—that's <laughs> why he was going to get transferred. Then she dresses him down in that meeting, and he is not listening to her. He just keeps retorting and retorting and retorting, and she's just like, "Yo, dismissed. Get out. You're done." And he does not listen. Also unbecoming of a Starfleet officer. And it's just like, okay, no. I know what you're going for here, but no, this is wrong. Well, yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah, so how did this guy even graduate from the academy? Okay, here's the thing. I, I've heard this complaint on Twitter a lot lately. Yeah, about, me too. Ever since the short track came out, like with H. John Benjamin's character. I feel like we have been spoiled by the next generation. So you're saying this is a different breed of Starfleet? Y- yes. I, I I don't want to say different breed of Starfleet, but you and I have talked about this a lot over the past couple of years about how like the next generation is arguably the the most favored show. I think yeah, even I'd non- say now. even yeah, even non-Star Trek fans are aware of Next Generation and to some extent like it. And I think it could be argued that if you polled all Star Trek fans, said, like, what's your favorite series, Next Gen would be at the top of the list. Yeah, probably. So with the Next Generation, that's the Federation flagship. That is the, that's the tip of the sword in research, in wartime, in diplomacy, in everything. Like, the, the, the Enterprise D was the best of the best. So not only was it the best ship with the best captain, like the pike of his day. Picard there like you had the bridge crew and the bridge crew is the best of the crew 
And outside of the bridge crew, you have the best people there. So in and when you enroll in Starfleet, not enroll, but like when you apply to Starfleet Academy, look at what Wesley Crusher had to go through just to get in to right. the Academy. And so imagine all of that times 10. Because not only do you have to go through that to get into the Academy, you have to be the best of the best to get onto the Federation flagship. And then you have to be the best of the best of the best in order to be the bridge crew of the flagship. And so we had seven years and four movies all centered around the best of the best of the best of the best. And so we're thinking that's how you should be as a Starfleet officer. And that's true. That is exactly how you should be. They are paragons of virtue and light and duty and amazingness. And that is what they are the total embodiment of what Starfleet officers should be. So if that's at the tip of the sword, that's at the top tier level, imagine what's at the bottom because we're not even seeing the middle. (laughs) Yeah, like the USS Hood and the Farragut and whatnot. So you're saying at the bottom is just, okay, this guy might be a brilliant scientist, but he doesn't really follow scientific ethics. He's going to call his superior names when he doesn't like what somebody does. And that's acceptable? I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm saying that it's possible. I think what you're maybe getting at here is just that human nature is going to be human nature and that maybe Starfleet training isn't going to take with an eccentric personality like with someone like Edward. And also, I mean, look at like look at Maddox. Brilliant. Yeah. Mi- like brilliant scientific mind, horrible personality and totally disregarded data's autonomy. And like people would argue like he could conduct himself in a professional manner, but he still had questionable ethics. And then there's tons of don't even get me started on the bad roles that we saw in TNG. And (laughs) this is true. And also we have seen um, now I know that this is the the Abrams verse, but Chekhov in the Abrams verse didn't go to the academy. He was recruited because he was so brilliant. This is true. Okay, well... So he could... H. John Benjamin's character could have been recruited into Starfleet because he was so brilliant in his specific field. And they're like, listen, you can come on board. We need your specific brilliance for this one particular area. You can be an officer, but you don't have to go to the academy. That kind of thing. And that bit him in the ass. You know, that would make a lot more sense. Because then if he's circumventing Starfleet training... It makes more sense then that he's a bit of a loose cannon. He's not following all the rules. He's not that prime example of a Starfleet officer. Right. He would never be on the bridge crew of the Enterprise. Right. Oh, no, no. No, he is like, sort of like how people say, oh, how could Barkley get himself on the Enterprise? Brilliant mind or no, just because he has some awkwardness and difficulties. Well, (laughs) I think this, that says, uh, that applies to Edward just on steroids. The only argument that I'm trying to make is that TNG bridge crew is literally the best that Starfleet has to offer. And there has to be a wide spectrum of of Starfleet officers. I can go with you on that where the Enterprise D crew is peak human, the ultimate mm-hmm. of Roddenberry's vision. And then there is, well, the rest of humanity. And as good as things may or may not have gotten... Well, we're still humans, and I'm sorry, as a species, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, we got rid of war, poverty, disease. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be a few assholes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> now, in terms of performance, it's John Benjamin. He is fantastic as this character. I mean, it's yes. very clear that he's embracing this. He's having a darn good time. He embodies this character perfectly. I'm not critiquing his performance. I'm critiquing his character. And so now that I've brought up the issues that I have and we've pointed out what we like, what needs to be punched up? Now, how could we rework this to where it's not going to create so much fan outrage? Well, okay. I I feel like Barkley, I think you came up with a good analogy with Barkley where Barkley didn't screw up because he hated his captain. Barkley didn't screw up because he had some sort of devious plan. Barkley uh-huh. screwed up because he made bad decisions and his anxiety and his fear led him into that direction. Uh-huh. And so I feel like we can forgive Barkley because of that. But with Edward, we're like, oh, you're just a jerk. You're just a horrible person. He's also an unethical scientist. Right. And so I feel like if we focused more on his motivations and made them less unethical, less devious, and really just an unfortunate person who made bad decisions, where it's just like, no, 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 this will totally work. I'll, I'll do this. And, and like, maybe he accidentally did it or he didn't tell them that he already did it, even though, like... Well, that's what like happened. She, well, no, no, no. Like, she, like he, he made the decision... That he, like after she said, okay, abandon this. We're not going to do the triple thing. You're going to go on climate control. That's when he went and did his DNA stuff with the tribbles. Okay, that's another thing. Is like he's injecting his DNA into the tribbles. Okay, I'm not a scientist myself, but I'm not entirely sure if that works. Oh, I'm oh, come on. You cannot apply <laughs> scientific mean... <laughs> logic to Star Trek. You can't do so, that. You know what I would love is instead of him being kind of a little more devious, like, oh, you're going to tell me no, but I'm going to do it anyway. I would love it if it was just like an honest mistake and a, mm-hmm. like come at more of a comedy of errors where you can still go for the yes. comedy bit, but an, a seemingly innocent move is going to just wreak havoc and then all hell's going to break loose. And the result, I mean, in terms of how you view it is going to be completely different. The end result might yes. be the same, but how it happens is completely different. I think I think that's absolutely the way to go. Do a comedy of errors, not devious, unethical behavior. Right. And then he's less of an a-hole. It, right. I mean, it wasn't that he was a, a jerk scientist who thinks his captain is an idiot. He made an error. Science makes errors all the time. You're trying to figure things out, and you can make your educated guess, but... Until you see the result, you really don't know for sure exactly what's going to happen. And so I would love it if this just happened by pure chance, pure, pure accident. Like, I would love to see him angry at the captain. You know, like he's packing up his desk. He's leaving. He's just like, this is so ridiculous. I can't believe this. Like, I've been working on this for like six months. This is so stupid. And like, he just swipes his hand across the shelf, like putting it into a box and like something falls into the triple cage and he's just like yes oh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it could even be it could be like i don't know some sort of fertilizer essentially the triple yes. eats it and then bam pregnant explosions triples breeding everywhere holy crap what just happened and like he tries to keep it a secret for a while 
where he's just like he's like yeah. no 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 everything's cool like like they're like uh nothing's happening with the tribbles whatsoever and they're in a closet and they keep like like bursting at the <laughs> doors you know like the closet and they bust through the closet yeah that kind of thing where like he's pissed at his captain but he's not going to do anything on purpose to circumvent ethics scientific ethics or his captain i yes. think that would if it Yes. So if it was a comedy of errors and just ineptitude or or, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I know that's a little bit of a trope where you have kind of like the, the absent-minded scientist a little bit. But I would rather go for that instead of this weird angle. And I know they were trying to go for like a Bob Belcher sort of thing. You know how like in Bob's Burgers, Bob talks to the meat on occasion? Yes. Where, yeah, and he, Edward is just like, yeah, it's a great protein source. And yes, I've eaten them. Okay, whatever. I don't care for that weird, almost sadistic kind of thing. Let's eliminate that too. It's not necessary. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I did just because I'm a fan of Bob's Burgers and I know what they were going for, but we don't need that. I honestly, like, if you want to get rid of it, that's fine. But like, I honestly thought it was kind of funny because he was just like, he's honestly, like, he's like, no, no. I, I, he's like, I don't, I don't want to eat it. I mean, it's, it's not for me, but. I mean, I have. <laughs> you know, like that, that was hilarious to me. <laughs> Just yeah, using it like triples as a protein source. Have hasn't the Federation moved on for that because they have the synthesizers and like we have the Impossible Burger now. Seriously, I, I think they were trying to help out some sort of civilization that maybe didn't have them, or I don't know. I don't know, but like I think you're right. Yes. But nevertheless, no. <laughs> and okay, I have a little bit of a bias. I am a vegetarian. I think that meat-free sources are the way to go but nevertheless moving on from that i would yeah i really think the comedy can just come from trying to contain it where i would love to see him maybe come to the conclusion oh what if i did do something he is really going to try and put on a bold face and try to fix it himself but by doing so he's only making it worse and to the point where it's out of control and that's why he's running around the hallways in his underwear i think if it wasn't just, it, it can't just be one thing. It can't just be like one injection, one spray. It needs to be a repeated effort that goes wrong. Where, yeah. like, because he did not ask for help, because he did not tell his captain about this, and he keeps trying to fix it on his own, that's why it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. It, yeah. Because I feel like just like one hypo spray to one triple just doesn't feel like enough to me to completely genetically alter the entire species and then infest an entire planet and then cling on empire. Yeah, it's a little too easy, right? A little too easy. And also, they're in space. How did it get to the planet? Um. Yeah, did they beam them aboard? What? I don't understand. Because there's no way it's going to survive in space or land. So how the hell did it get on the planet? How the yeah. hell did it get to the Klingon Empire? Right? That felt like a stretch to me. If it was just contained to the ship, I think that would be fine. Or maybe we see like, we say like, like we finish it up and we're just like, okay, we got rid of all of them. I think that's it. And then like some, like some freighter disembarks and and like we see it in the corner, like, (laughs) right, there's one and that's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. Like, and then that's, that's like, oh, that's how it got to K7 or maybe like who knows where it went from there. That's how it gets gets the Klingon Empire. That I think would have been much better than making them abandon the ship and then just having an admiral explain away that it somehow made it to the surface of a planet and then the Klingon Empire. Honestly, I love this kind of core idea. I love the uh, uh, the concept of doing the Tribble origin story essentially, 
because <laughs> it's such a facet of Star Trek throughout several generations. But they didn't really think this through. And they could have done so much better with it if they had just given it a little more. And also, like, you want to do it in a way where the Klingon Empire has no idea that Starfleet was the reason for their triple infestation. Right? I mean, hello, they would declare war. They're already at odds with the Klingons. They're just recuperating from a massive war that they almost lost. Right? And then all of a sudden there's an infestation that happens. I mean, Worf talked about how there were songs and stories of, of the Tribbles and how they obliterated their homeworld <laughs> and obliterated them. And like, this was generations ago and yeah. Worf still had an aversion to Tribbles. Like, if the Klingon Empire knew that Starfleet was behind this, there would be massive ramifications. So if, they, oh, if the writers yeah. went with our way of like it, it would stole across like it would it's, it was a stowaway on a freighter or something like that that can't be traced back to starfleet you would still get that infestation but there would be no diplomatic repercussions right because seriously if you're going to dump a bunch of tribbles on a klingon planet uh is that not an act of war seriously yeah considering the ramifications if i were a klingon that's how i would see it also i would not have them abandon ship no, wh why wouldn't they just space all the Tribbles? Honestly, that's the thing. I, I think because it was some sort of misguided thing at the beginning where she said, she's like, okay, this is unethical to use them as a food source because, like, do we know they're sentient? And he makes that joke. He's like, well, they don't have a face, so I can't, <laughs> I can't tell. And then he yeah. said, I could breed them to be brain dead. And she's like, yeah, uh, no, we're not going to do that. I think because they established that at the beginning, they couldn't just space them even though that is exactly what she should have done. Oh, my gosh. Right? Duh. Like, I I understand. I understand your reservations because you don't know a lot about them, but they're basically a parasite at this point. If it's between you, your crew, and your ship, then you need to do something. Like, a man died because of this. Yeah, you've got to protect your crew. Can you chalk that up just to pure inexperience? But she's a halfway intelligent person, how did that not occur to her? Exactly. And what did they think phasers were going to do set on stun with that know. many? You could shoot one at a time. You know, like it was just, that's what really bugged me. Like I was fine with the setup. I was fine with the execution up until when things started getting crazy and that weird song started playing. <laughs> because that's when it's just like, okay, we've now transferred Edward's ineptness or ineptitude over to the captain's inexperience. Right. And then everybody just looks incompetent. This whole right. ship. Again, this was not totally well thought through. It was a great idea, just the execution fell in a lot of places for me, which I find unfortunate. I think they could abandon ship. I think it would have been interesting if they abandoned ship and then Edward still died if they want to do that way because of his own stupidity. That's fine. Sure. But have them abandon ship, but enact a plan when they abandon the ship they're like yeah. okay we're abandoning ship and we're going to open up all the airlocks at the same time yeah and th and then that way we at least know that the ship is saved and no one else is going to die and they can't survive in space and if it lands to the planet they'll burn up in the atmosphere right but anyway i feel like even just a couple of little tweaks like we just did makes this short trek a lot more bearable makes a lot more sense and it's going to create a lot less fan outrage because Twitter, oh, you hell site. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I can't with you sometimes. 
And that's, it's really interesting though, because I'm not saying, I know this sounds really egotistical, but you and I came up with that within 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. And I sprung this on you. You didn't even know this is what we were doing today. So you had no time to think about what you would do to punch up this short track. And I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but if you're in the writer's room and you have a completed script in front of you, where are just like, yeah, this is what we're going to go with. And you're reviewing it as a group. We had some really, really, really easy fixes. Yeah. Where you could have kept the same editing, the same sets, the same beats. Like you, you could have kept everything exactly the same, except with just a few dialogue changes. Yeah. That's all it really was. Very simple. So... Who is not checking the, the the scripts here? I mean, I know that they have a lot going on. I don't want to criticize them too much because I know that what they're doing is really difficult. They're doing a lot yeah. of things right now. I'm sure it's very hard to keep track of it all. And really, on the scale of things, this is really low on the totem pole. I get it. But if you're going to release it, make sure it's going to pass muster or you're going to get what you deserve. Is there anything else that you want to say about the episode that you liked or disliked or would want to change? Not particularly. I think we covered it. We've, we've not touched on Q&A. That wasn't something that I really had planned for the show. I mean, people have their criticisms of that too, but I feel like overall that one's more solid. Yeah, I think the only thing that really stuck out to me that I didn't dig on was the singing. Modern Major General? Yeah, it felt extremely out of place to me. And also Spock, like, straight up joy laughing at the end of singing it. Mm. Well, remember that this is a very early Spock, and they're highly derivative of Spock as portrayed in The Cage. It's true. It's true. I get it. I, I, I get it. I know, it, but, but it I feel is, like... like, it's disconcerting a little bit just because we've seen so much more Spock. I know. I just feel like they're being a little bit too liberal with that. And they might be. And I think that is one of the bigger criticisms is, oh, you're destroying this character. This is not who he was, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why, but I'm willing to let that slide more than I am the trouble with Edward. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get that. I get that. And this isn't a major complaint. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. It's a short trek. It's 15 minutes. Okay, you do yeah. you, boo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's all I've got. Have you got anything else before we wrap up? I don't think so. Like, uh, that was mainly the thing with Q&A was just like the, the singing and, and Spock's straight up laughing like, like, ah! yeah. but yeah, with the trouble with Edward, I think just those small tweaks and everything would have been gravy. And I think it would have been accepted on a much better level. And then you wouldn't have had people complain about canon and origin story and also Starfleet regulations and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. So if you guys would uh, like to tell us what you thought of The Trouble with Edward or Q&A or what we had to say about both short treks, you know how to contact us. Just go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Also, if you could rise a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that would be very helpful because it's a, it gets the show out there. It gets us noticed by other people and it's a little love letter to us. Yes, we appreciate it very much. Please go to thenerdparty.com for all your nerd needs. We got Star Trek, other Star Trek shows, Star Wars shows, Harry Potter shows, Doctor Who shows, Babylon 5 shows, movie shows, everything that you could possibly want. 
coming at you every single day of the week. Just go to the nerdparty.com and we're on every social site, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just type in the Nerd Party and you will find us. And uh, next week is going to be a barrel of laughs. I don't know what we're what we're uh, going to be talking about, but it's going to be a barrel of laughs. I can guarantee that. And <laughs> okay. But you'll have to tune in next week to find out. So until then, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.